As I said before, the uh, story of the Good Samaritan is one of those that, with, with which we're very familiar. So I challenge you to listen to it with fresh ears. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And you will love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved to pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put put him on his own animal, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever you spent. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. It's a frightening scenario, one that's almost a staple of action movies. Someone has fallen onto the subway tracks and a train is coming into the station. And for a heart-stopping moment, the train is certain to hit the fallen person until rescue comes at the last possible second. But in a metro station near the National Mall, on the day of President Obama's first inauguration, this was an all-too-real scenario. Do you remember the incident? A 68-year-old woman from Nashville, Tennessee, who was in Washington for the inauguration, was accidentally forced off of the platform by the surging crowd at Gallery Place, Chinatown Station. Houston Metro Officer Elliot Swainson who had been deputized to assist with the huge crowds for the inauguration just a few hours earlier, was helping another rider when he heard the cries come from the track. He and another Metro rider tried to pull the woman to safety, but with the red line train bearing down into the station, they didn't have time. With a moment to spare, he pushed her down under the platform 
and tucked her under until the train pulled past. Local news reports heralded Officer Swainson as a good Samaritan, and we all knew what that meant. The story of the Good Samaritan is so familiar, it may almost seem cliché. Even people who have never read the Bible, much less the Gospel of Luke, know the image of compassion embodied by the Samaritan who takes the risk of helping a stranger in the midst of a crisis. However, despite its many retellings, the story is no less powerful and no less needed today. But if I, I wonder if all that Jesus was really talking about was be helpful for, to people when you come across them in trouble. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem when he got involved with a rather testy conversation with a local attorney from a village along the way. This teacher of the law was not one like we know of today who goes to court in a civil or a criminal case, but rather an expert in interpreting the Torah, the law of Moses. The lawyer kept pressing Jesus not only for clarification, but also to expose weaknesses in his teachings. So in your view, Jesus, just what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? You're the lawyer, Jesus replies. What does it say in the law of Moses? The attorney knew the law, and he quoted it. Apart from Leviticus and apart from Deuteronomy, the law says, Love God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind, and also love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, Jesus said, there you have it. You're right. Love God fully and love your neighbor as yourself. Do this and you will live. But the lawyer wasn't going to let the question drop that easily, so he pushes for more. Be precise, Jesus. Who exactly is my neighbor? Now, I'm not surprised by that question. Are you? It's sort of how we continue to operate. Who counts? For whom exactly am I responsible? Who is supposed to care for whom and how much? What are the rules and just how much do I have to follow them to be guaranteed being right with God? Jesus, the ever-patient teacher, responds not with a lecture, but by telling a story. And his story is not just a simple tale of a man in trouble, two people who passed by, and one who helped. He could have told that kind of moral story, but that's not what he did. He told a parable, and parables always have something unexpected or shocking to be wrestled with or puzzled over. The road from Jerusalem to Jer Jericho was notoriously dangerous. Robberies happened there all the time, and it was very unsafe to travel that road alone. 
So the fact that the man had been beaten and robbed in that area was a familiar reality. Nothing surprising here. But then two genuinely shocking things happen in Jesus' story. The first shock is that two people who could have helped, in fact, two people who would have been expected to help, came up the road, see the man in trouble, and do nothing. The priest and the Levite are both highly esteemed Jewish religious figures associated with the Jerusalem temple. And they do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now they could have, someone could justify them by saying, well, if they had touched the, the man who was, uh, was uh, unclean or you didn't know his state, they could become unclean and they would be unworthy to be able to, to serve in the temple. But the story's already shown us that they'd come from Jerusalem, so their temple duties were over. They're on their way away from Jerusalem. And the fact is, they intentionally avoid the man by crossing over to the other side of the street to get away from him so they could continue their journey. The second, even bigger shock is that the last person in the world who would have been counted on for help is the one who, in fact, mercifully and bravely rescues the injured man. Down the road came a Samaritan. Now, Jesus is, of course, a Jew. And the lawyer and probably the rest, many of those who were listening to the story were also Jews. Even the characters in the parable are Jews. The priest, the Levi, very probably the injured man, and even the robbers. But here comes a Samaritan. And Jews and Samaritans have a bitter history of racial and religious hatred. Documents from that time tell us that the Samaritans were lapsed Jews, according to the Davidic rules. They had broken many of the Mosaic laws of the Jewish temple. The first of those was that they had intermarried with their Gentile neighbors, so they were no longer pure-blooded Jews. In addition, they had the audacity to develop some of their own scriptures. And, worst of all, they had decided that it was not necessary to go to Jerusalem to worship God. They felt they could worship God in their own country, so they built their own temple and, of course, refused to pay the temple tax that all Jews had, had assessed against them to support the big, beautiful temple in Jerusalem. So the Jewish authorities declared the Samaritans to be unclean, which meant that no one should either touch or be touched by a Samaritan. In fact, not only would the injured man not expect any help from this despicable Samaritan, he probably wouldn't want any help from a Samaritan either. It was better to die in a pool of blood on the road than to be touched by a Samaritan. But indeed, it is this despised and rejected Samaritan who is nevertheless moved to compassion and who tenderly cares for the injured man. Even though they were enemies, 
He cares for him. The shocking conclusion to this story is not that someone helps the man on the brink of death. The surprise is who helps him. That the Samaritan is the example of love and righteousness would be shocking in Jesus' context. The enemy is the hero in this story. The villain is the leading man. The lawyer is pushed to learn about genuine love from the deeds of one whom he regards as his enemy. To be committed to love neighbor involves a willingness to see an enemy as a benefactor, one who can offer instruction about true compassion and righteousness. But just as important as the lesson of compassion is the fact that the story of Good Samaritan also invites us to imagine ourselves in, a different, in different parts of this narrative. I imagine that in some Sunday school class, you have been invited to identify yourself with the Samaritan, the one who gives aid, the one who comes to help when someone's in trouble. You may also have acted out the story and taken other parts, the Levite or the priest as they walked by. What were you thinking? What were you feeling when you did that? How were you trying to do what God asks as that person? So I invite you to think about yourself this time. Imagine yourself as the person in need, the person in the ditch, a man on the brink of losing it all, a woman in deepest grief, a child with no hope or trust in the world or the adults around them. Imagine yourself at your most vulnerable, deep in despair, with only one hope, perhaps someone will help me. According to Jesus, being neighbor involves not only giving help, but also being willing to receive it, even and especially from those who are not like us. What if the stranger who is most merciful and loving is not the upstanding citizen that we expect or hope for, but the person we dismiss as a bigot or a heathen a racist or a liar. This simple parable, Scandalous Edge, challenges us to identify, humanize, and embrace the most unlikely candidates for their own neighborly relationships. Biblical scholar Amy Jean Levine suggests one way of experiencing the scandal. To hear this parable in contemporary terms, we should think of ourselves as the person in the ditch and then ask, is there anyone from any group at whose hand we'd rather die than acknowledge that she offered help or she, he showed compassion? Or is there any group whose members might rather die than help us? If so, 
then we know how to find the modern equivalent to the Samaritan. For Levine, as a Jew, the Samaritan may be a member of Hamas who showed mercy. Who would you identify? A Muslim? A Sikh? A Buddhist? A Jew? A member of Al-Qaeda? Jesus calls for the lawyer and for us to identify the outsider in the story and challenges us to lay aside the standards that have given us identity and security in order to be nurtured by the compassion of others from whatever source the compassion comes. An agent of divine compassion can be whom we least expect, but no less worthy of our honor as they teach us how to care. True compassion knows no bounds. God's love overflows even from among those we call enemies. The kindness that our neighbors may show puts us to shame when we narrow the scope of God's care and outreach. And it indicts us when we draw the circle of belonging smaller and less generously. The Samaritan's exemplary deeds, born from compassion, demonstrate the lengths to which love goes. Authentic love does not discriminate. It creates neighborly relationships because by its very nature, it meets the needs of others. Jesus' parable suggests that love seeks out neighbors to receive compassion and care even when established boundaries or prejudices conspire against it. Loving God and neighbor knows no bounds. If we look at the world with God's eyes, we will see good Samaritans all around us because genuine goodness and moral authenticity cannot be restricted to any one people or creed. And they don't depend on having learned the right theoretical answers. To love God is to love neighbor is to love God, is to love neighbor, and so on. This ongoing flow of love allows eternal life to begin even now. The parable of the Good Samaritan is a story for all of us on the road of life, and it routes us in the only direction that God desires. The way of love and compassion for others. This is more than a parable about a helpful stranger. It's about the transforming power of God at work in those who travel the dangerous roads in our world, moving into the fullness of life, eternal life, here and now. At the end of their conversation, Jesus asks the lawyer, so now you define the term neighbor. Who proved to be neighbor in this story? The lawyer still can't bring himself to even spit out the word Samaritan. So he mumbles, the one who showed mercy. Go and do likewise, Jesus said. May we do so as well. Amen. Amen.